2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group, Voyware Prohibited by Law. 18 Plus Terms and Conditions apply.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I am your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to have a conversation about a common struggle that many new parents face. I faced this as a new parent, and it is about keeping a sense of identity through the transition into parenthood. I know that I felt like I lost a bit of who I was, a bit of what I admired about myself and I cherished and what I enjoyed about life prior to children and then how to still find some balance in that. A lot of new parents also struggle to keep an identity in their relation to the world and within their personal relationships, boundaries, expectations, so much changes as one becomes a parent. So to have this conversation, I have Catherine Casey. She's the director and founder of the Root Therapy NYC. It's a boutique psych- therapy practice specializing in emerging families and the perinatal period of life. It is a wonderfully deep and rich conversation that can help you feel that you're not alone in this transition. And she gives some wonderful insights on how to navigate this transition into parenthood. But before we get to that, I just want to share some news of what's going on at Prenatal Yoga Center. So we continue to fold in more in-person classes, mainly our evening classes, for those in the New York area. But we're continuing to hold strong to our promise that Seven days a week, we're gonna offer you at least one live stream class. So no matter where you are in the world, you can still either take the live stream or watch the re-release on your own time and schedule. We have opened up the doors to PYC well beyond those that can attend in New York City, and it is such an honor to be part of your lives as you move through pregnancy and parenthood. So thank you for continuing to show up for PYC, and we will continue to show up for you. Now i know not everybody can jump into an hour and a half class every day or even some of our express hour classes. So I have a wonderful downloadable that you can grab from our website. It's called five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. You can also apply this for postnatal, a lot of the same pains. So if you only have a few minutes and you want to address some of the discomforts you might have in your body, go to our website, grab that free downloadable, and it can be your cheat sheet for days that you can't get a whole class in. Also, I want to thank those that have have been leaving ratings and reviews. It's helping people find the podcast. So thank you for those that have been doing that. And if you haven't, if you can pop open over to Apple Podcast and leave a rating and review and share with me what you like about the podcast and any ideas that you might have for future podcasts. I'm always here to support you as a community. All right. And then the last thing I want to mention is our teacher training. So I am so excited that this spring we're going to be back in person. It'll be two years since our last in-person training. But before that, we still have space in our January and February online training. So if you are thinking, okay, I can't get to New York, it's very expensive to get to New York, but you still want to participate in this training, check out our January, February online training. So we'll start to transition back into more in person in New York City, but I'm hoping to continue online at least one or two trainings a year. Okay. So I think that's it. Oh, I forgot one last shout out. I wanted to remind everyone that we have started to partner with Boober and they are now teaching our childbirth education classes, our newborn care, and our lactation classes. So they're an amazing company that helps line you with lactation consultants, birth doulas, postpartum doulas, mental health therapists. So if you are anywhere looking for that kind of support, go to get Boober.com. And if you use the code PYC, you get 10% off your first services. All right, that is enough of me. We're gonna take a super quick break. When we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Kat.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: Hi, I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's really fun that I'm going to dive into this conversation with you when I see you in a very different role as a yoga student. So, I'm yes. excited to get to learn more about this side of you you've talked about, your practice as a therapist and you know, as I know you do and I've seen, you know, your online stuff, but I've never really picked your brain on this. So, thank you for being my guest.
2: It is my pleasure. I'm super excited to be here, um, and excited for our relationship to develop in that way too. I, I feel like some of uh, some of my favorite relationships have developed um, out of life stages um, and, and shared circumstances in different ways. And so, you guiding me along my healing journey from my own birth experience as well as uh, the pregnancy experience. Uh, it, it's you know you're, you've got a special place in my heart. Thank you.
1: All right. So I want to learn more about you. So tell me a little bit about yourself and then what led you into your work as a therapist.
2: Oh, yes. Always a great question. Um, and and there's always a wonderful story there, too. So I always love those open-ended questions. Um, so for me, uh, this has kind of been my life's work. Um, and uh, I got a degree initially from NYU Tisch in musical theater. Mm. Um, and I did the performance, uh, you know, kind of being an actress for um, a brief number of years um, before uh, deciding it was not for me. Um, and so kind of responding to and um, following what had always been waiting in the wings, uh, which was a career as a therapist. I had double majored in psychology as my backup plan. Um, and so it led me to get a, a clinical uh social work degree. Um, and I began working initially in addiction treatment. Um, and through that work, I really um, honed in on the issues uh, that I like to treat. And I am a very intuitive person. So um, I kind of have always led um, from what felt right. Um, and then that led me my curiosity to explore, you know, what's the research that's supporting this? You know, what's the certification that's aligned with this? Um, and that's kind of where I have ended up today, um, where we are focusing um, on working with attachment trauma, um, working with emerging adults, emerging families around issues of grief and loss, trauma, relationships, addiction, uh, depression, anxiety, um, all that stuff that tends to come up um, and that and, uh, gets triggered by life transitions. Um, and in my professional growth, um, I started working in agency settings, uh, got a lot of exposure and, and really cut my teeth um, working with serious and persistent mental illness, um, and then moved into private practice, and uh, and now uh, have that practice has grown, and, and we're super grateful um, to have the support um, of a team. And so we have a group group practice, the Root Therapy NYC.
1: That's really exciting. I didn't know your background was in musical theater. I should have. Oh, I, feel like, I feel like <laughs> maybe that's why we connect. I too am a former musical theater person with a degree from a music conservatory, much like yours. So oh, now I see that connection. And I I actually have a soft spot for social workers. My husband is a social worker who also works with addiction and in an agency and private practice. So I definitely feel like that's why I pick up on your vibe quite a bit. All right. So I'm very excited about the topic you suggested, the process of realigning a new parent's identity and relationship to the world and with personal relationships. Wow. When you... Or someone on your team proposed that I stepped back and I thought there is such identity shift, and how one as a new parent relates to their new role as a parent relates to the world and the expectations of them, and kind of the thought upon mother, father role, or parent role. So this is this is exciting. So I guess we should start kind of from the beginning. of Let's talk about matrescence. What is what is it? What does it mean? Yes. Um this is actually just in my
2: own experience. I kind of hate this word, <laughs> but oh, um, interesting. So I tell me why. I don't know, um, but but I've been uh, kind of ex- in my in my training in perinatal mental health, uh, you know, I kind of glazed over it. So I actually, you know, when when you were bringing it up again, it was like triggering something in me. So oh. I definitely have some some stuff to explore there. Um, maybe it is the connection, right? That that the term develops out of uh, out of the idea of adolescence, right? We've got these Um, Maybe it's the idea of like birthing a mother, you know, versus birthing a parent, right? Kind of, you know, that, that gendered piece. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but either way, right? The definition is, right? The, the birth of a mother. Um, and, and what does that mean? And certainly I do think. For a birthing parent, um, there is a very unique experience of of the body transformation that you go through um, in your in your pregnancy journey um, and in you know the the perinatal period um, and and I also just recognize too right that when when we're looking at the less. Physical elements, um, and and we're kind of looking at the the birth of a parent. Um, there is so much that's happening in your brain, physically, right? Um, but then there is so much that's happening psychologically and with identity. Um, and so I think uh, maybe part of what I you know am reacting to with that is kind of the um the limitations of the term uh mm-hmm. limiting it only to mothers um when truly you know this aspect of it uh the the elements of identity um and all of the areas of life that that connects to uh you know really do impact not only the birthing parent but also the birth partner mm-hmm. um and and also right the the larger systems that we interact with right the birth of a grandparent is very different than the birth of a parent and attachment trauma right another life transition that can be triggering. Um, you know, I, i worked with folks who, um, had done a lot of work, right. The, back in the eighties and nineties, those books, um, you know, how, how to parent your three-year-old, your four-year-old, all those, I'm getting the titles incorrect, but, um, but the, you know, there was a, there was a interest in, uh, in self-healing and in developing parenting skills through, you know, the, these, uh, cultural book series, um, And, uh, and now, um, we don't really have that for grandparents. Um, so I just think that there's so many ways that our identity shifts, uh, through the life cycle, but also through the, uh, process of, um, intergenerational growth. Um, and I think that, so I think
1: that that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought... I. Whenever I heard matrescence, it was only a few years ago, and I have to admit the funny you brought up adolescence, because for the longest time I could not say the word. And I almost had in my head say the word adolescence to get that part before I could say matrescence. I guess you're right. I hadn't really thought that it was specifically mother. I thought it was more just the transition into parenthood. I didn't really understand the 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 root of it was just, uh, was so gendered. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about kind of taking the broader view of not just mother, but parent. And I know you work with a lot of people as they transition into parenthood, kind of these life transitions. How are you typically seeing new parents lose their sense of identity through the transition into parenthood?
2: Mm, There's so much here and it's such a broad question and I will, I, I like to think on the spot. And so I am, you know, processing and as, as I am sharing with you, um, and I think think that there's so much culturally um, to be considered here, um, not just what we, you know, clinically would call like family of origin stuff, right? The the people who were a part of your household growing up um, and typically, you know, your parents being the, the folks that are introducing you to the world, teaching you about the world. Um, but it could be anybody who really kind of held that role for you. Um, but also a larger community and society, what the media tells us, right? about what it means to be um, a mother, what it means to be a father, Um, and how, um, how that interplays with what it means to be a woman or a man, right? Like, again, like we're, we're in these kind of boxes in a way. Um, and so I think that, um, especially in this time, right, where, uh, we culturally are, um, finally making space for the in-between. This is what we in therapy have been doing for a long time, right? Like black and white thinking. We want to find that grayscale and we have this grayscale that we're starting to make more space for when it comes to you know gender identity um, holding more space for diversity um, and having more empathy for it and they think um, that that um, is wonderful but it's new um, and so when folks are becoming parents uh, it's it's confronting a lot of those expectations and those stereotypes and, um, what has been expected of them in the role of becoming a parent, but also, um, you know, what, uh, what their experience has been of that. And, and in some cases, it's the first time where they're really examining, um, and, and finding tension between what they expected or what was expected for them, uh, and what the reality is.
1: So how are you supporting someone that is struggling with this? And it are you finding it more that there's a struggle of expectations? There's a struggle of... Mm. Of responsibilities of, I just can remember coming back after having my first child and something as simple as going to the bagel shop that was two doors down from my apartment building where I used to just throw my shoes on and run down was such an event. And I had kind of a crash on my shoulders of, Oh my God, I am not who I was. My responsibilities mm. are so much greater. Who am I? How did I get here? Do, you, do you, mm. does that make any sense? Is that something you've seen before? How how are you working with clients about still finding an essence of who they were while digesting and navigating and reckoning this new role they're stepping into? Yes. So,
2: a lot of my work right because I'm intuitive and supported by research, um, a lot of my work uh uses a lot of cultural um cultural components uh, and so I have three kids uh, I am in the you know stage where my kids are just starting to enter the elementary land um, and so uh, you know for better or for worse, Disney is a thing <laughs> in, in my life. Um, And so over the past year or so, um, this wonderful line, which may get some folks singing in their head as they're listening to this, um, is just do the next right thing. Um, and, uh, and that small step, right. Sometimes when you think about the larger thing and here I am, right. Talking about like, how is your identity and all of the roles that you have held throughout life shifting as a result of this experience, right. That's, that's a lot of weight. That's, that's a lot of heaviness. And truly, right. That is what I'm working on a lot in, in sessions. Um, but we don't do it, you know, like that we, we do it piece by piece and, you know, moments like the one that you just mentioned as you're mentioning that, I was like, oh, how interesting, you know, my experience was kind of the opposite, right? Where I was so invested in not letting the rest of my life change that I was, you know, twisting myself into a pretzel in order to be, you know, running immediately after my six week appointment. And ultimately in that fierce, uh, commitment to, um, to not losing my identity, um, I caused physical damage that you have been so kind as to help me with (laughs) three babies later. So uh so recognizing right that that as we are talking about we're trying to find that grayscale. So too with the element of identity, there is that grayscale, right? Like I love this language and I know it's it's you know become a bit of a um, truism, but the idea that um, in the process of becoming a parent or becoming a mother, um, we go through this um, th- this metaphor of the the caterpillar, right? And and the piece of that caterpillar to butterfly transition um, that I just so see um, in in the folks that I'm working with and that I've certainly experienced with every single child that I have had um, is that period of mush, that period where you cease being a. And you do not yet feel like or look like a butterfly, Um, and I I just focus on that so much because I think that is that is you know the definition of the perinatal period is the transformation into mush, and then the you know rebuilding of that um, into you know something new, Um, and and the grief and loss that's associated that is associated with that of. Um, you know, the identity of who you were before, um, and, uh, and the developing confidence, the exploration of the, who you are now towards finding that beauty. Do you
1: feel like there can be struggle or how would you work with someone that has struggle accepting their new identity and new roles and new responsibilities?
2: Yeah. Well, I think it really depends on what their experience in history has been like before. Um, and I, I actually, uh, I, someone that I think we have in common is Lisa Greaves Taylor.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, lovely, uh, childbirth educator. Um, and, uh, she, she, I, she was my childbirth educator. That's how she and I began our relationship, which has since bloomed and, and um, grown from there. Um, but one of the things that she added to my arsenal that I use a lot clinically in my work um, is w- when you think about your birth experience, um, you know, visualize. like imagine you know what what you would like that to be. Um, you know what what do you aspire to? right? Not not what is your plan, but what do you aspire to? Um, and then to also thinking about you know what kinds of touch, what kinds of um, actions, Thoughts, um, you know, things um, have been supportive uh, for you in the past when you have been uh, tolerating pain, um, and so I've adapted that in some ways uh, to working with to working with this period and and to working with the emotional side of things. Um, what has been helpful for you when you have felt uncertain or when you have felt hurt, uh, when you have felt vulnerable, right? What what is your experience of those ideas like? What's your reaction? action in the room when I'm working with you, when I ask you those questions Um, and that really guides things, right? Because sometimes um, this is a first experience and there isn't, you know, a a toolbox to draw upon. And sometimes there is a wealth of tools that just um, hadn't been thought of uh, as as applicable in this situation.
1: Mm. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we come back I'd love to start talking about for those that are in a relationship, I feel like expectations and identities as a couple can get lost. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, that's what we're going to dive into. We'll be right back.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Okay. So we talked a little bit about finding or struggling with identity shift as a parent. And I do love that you said, I think that's actually really key looking at what's worked for you in the past. I had, I honestly, I've had this conversation or something similar with many people, but somehow I don't feel like I've heard that. And that makes a lot of difference. That makes a lot of sense because why not use our successes like we do in yoga? We talk about coping skills and how they keep going on and on and we have to find our coping skills. So of course, why don't we use the same coping skills for this issue? So I just want to highlight that. I appreciate that. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So let's talk about relationships. So those in a relationship, where do you see their identity as a couple get lost as they transition to parenthood. I know my husband and I have put effort into not just being mom and dad, but still being the couple that started the family.
2: Mm, hmm. hmm um, I don't know why, but the, I don't,
1: and what musical is
2: this coming from? But the idea of like timing Balance, right? Like, I mean, the, these these are the things. Um, the and and just as you're saying, right? Like, taking the time and and being mindful, um, prioritizing, right, your relationship. And I think that's one of the things that's so challenging, especially for um, parents who are going through uh, subsequent pregnancies and and uh, and perinatal periods, right? Because there is a system, and you're responsible for your individual needs, for you know, supporting the needs of your. You know, of your partnership, of your romantic relationship, of your partner, of your kids, right? And, and just as I'm describing them, I can imagine it's getting a little overwhelming um, because there are, right, there are so many expectations and so many needs uh, to hold space for and to support um, and and to be mindful of. Um, and I think one thing that has really resonated with some of the reading I've been doing in this area um, of late, um, is the fact that we are focusing not on equality, uh, but on equity, um, and that we are focusing not so much on a daily routine, um, so much as we are, you know, trying to really be mindful of, you know, what our buckets are, right, and and what fills them, and what fills them efficiently, um, because it may, you know, not be debriefing with your partner every night for an hour when you're both exhausted. And, you know, part of that debrief is planning for, you know, what your needs are for the day, for the day ahead. Um, Maybe it is, you know, not having that time really at all or communicating with that via text message throughout the day, but then once a week having, you know, a proper, you know, two or three hour date night. Um, And and so it is different for every relationship, but that idea of rituals of connection um, is something that is super key um, and really wonderful to be mindful. Of when you are wanting to hold space for your relationship, even while you are going through these family transitions.
1: That makes sense. I was about to ask for ideas to regain balance and reconnection. So you're already saying make sure there's communication about all right, maybe not every night we're going to debrief, but let's keep having little check ins throughout the day and then let's try once a week to really sit down. Is that kind of the idea behind what you're saying it could be. Um, but again, I think, you know, it,
2: it is something that's individual, right? I right. think the, the, biggest thing to be mindful of, and this is you know kind of going back to the you know what's worked in the past, right? In the past, right, when you've had conflict or when you've had distance from your partner, um, you know, what has led you back together? What has been that bridge for you? Um, I'll recall a time in my early parenting um uh, where uh it was a middle of the night situation, you know, my husband and I had been on uh like on irritability and we were turning that towards each other. And we had what we have uh we have added to our narrative of our relationship as like poop Mageddon. Um (laughs) it was it was everywhere. It was you know like you hear that like horror, horror sound of like to just be like you know panning all over the room and there is poop. Um, (laughs) And in that moment we were so sleep deprived and so did not know what we were doing um, that we just burst out laughing, laughing to the point of tears. We must have been laughing for for five minutes. Um, which doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're laughing, it was, we were hysterical. We were hysterical and we were hysterical together. Um, and that, that humor, that moment, um, of, of just acceptance of the situation we were in and mindfulness of the present moment, um, was, was something that was a real strength for our partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's what's gonna work for everybody, right? So being able to kind of look back on, you know, what has broken the tension when you have been in a gridlocked argument or, um, you know, what, uh, what were some of those early conversations like, um, in in getting to know each other, right? And and the curiosity about each other's worlds. Uh I I'm sort of I, I'm in I've done a lot of training in Gottman couples therapy. Um and within that space, uh they talk about building love maps, which really means attuning to your partner, your partner's needs. Um, the way that you know a lot of new parents are, you know, really researching and, and figuring out how can I how can I learn about my kids' needs? How do I know when my kid is sleepy? How do I know when they're hungry, right? Listening for those different kinds of cries, um, attuning to each other's needs so that then you can build an attachment. Um, And so that's a big part of of all relationships and a big part of finding your way back together when you are feeling that distance from your partner.
1: Mm, Yeah. I'm just thinking about that makes so much sense. And at the same time as I'm processing, you say that I just remember the fatigue of those early days, and would one have the brain power to put the energy into your child, and then also be like, "Okay, let me think back to the relationship it sounds It sounds helpful. Um, I question my own capability if i 'm that tired, um, but I like the I really do like that intention, and I wanted to go a little deeper into kind of expectations and boundaries. What kind of work, and I guess you're saying this already like that love map of thinking about conversations and connections you had and what worked earlier. But what other kind of suggestions do you have for those that are in a partnership to do ahead of time so that you can set boundaries and I guess you could say roles and expectations before the baby arrives? Yeah. Uh,
2: having conversations. And I think uh Gottman in general has, I, I like them a lot. And the white reason I chose to get certified in that style of couples counseling is because it is very intervention based. Um, it's very solution focused. Um And so I think it's really wonderful, just as you're saying, really, I don't know if I would have had the bandwidth to be having all of these deep conversations. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, neither would I. And sometimes that's my recommendation to couples who are coming in for couples. Counseling and feeling distanced is, you know, maybe the priority right now doesn't need to be on your relationship. Maybe it needs to be on your individual identities and being able to feel connected with self. Um, because if you don't feel connected with self, it's really challenging to feel connected to someone else. Um, and so I think that you know, uh, to your point, right? Sometimes just those little things of like, nope, I, I, every day I'm going to make it to that coffee shop that is two doors down, like that that moment for me to like feel the sun on my face, get out of the house, you know, have a cup of coffee while it is still hot, right? <laughs> like that is going to be my priority. And that may only be 5 to 10 minutes and you might have a screaming baby or you might have a baby attached to you uh sleeping, you know, but but to to prioritize that because it is something that's grounding you and it's also going to be grounding and providing that that foundation for your relationship. Um to that point, um, and to, to more directly answer your question, um, I think that uh, the idea of values, exploring uh, values, um, exploring your own expectations and experiences, witnessing um, intimate interactions uh, of of parents, whether it's your own parents, whether it's um, you know an aunt and an uncle, um, a best friend's parents, right? Like, what are What are the examples of parenting that you have seen um, and been exposed to that you would like to emulate? Um, And what are some of the things that you'd like to avoid? Um, And having conversations with your partner um, about that while you are in that process of preparing for parenthood um, can be really helpful. And, you know, we started this conversation talking about, um, you know, kind of uh this like size gendered so this is coming up a lot actually in in the past year especially as society and media has kind of picked up a bit more on um, you know gender preferences and uh, and identity Um but the idea of what, what are the expectations? What are my expectations of our roles in parenting and what are your expectations? How does, um, gender identity play into that, right? Do we have a heteronormative relationship or not? Um, and, and to be, you know, kind of coping ahead of time in that way, um, by exploring values, expectations, uh, and, and how, how you want to be as parents together. I
1: really love the Part where you're talking about the values, because yes, you can split up. I will do the grocery shopping and you're going to pick the kids up or whatever, but the tasks can work themselves out. But if the values are very different, I think that's where co parenting could really be a problem. You know, talking about, uh, you know, maybe one person grew up in a, a yelling household and then the other person didn't. And then one person can be a yeller or or not that I know this happens that much. Maybe it does like spanking, you know, when I was mm. growing in the seventies, like there was, we got threatened with spanking, but now, you know, at in 2021, we don't spank, you know, and my husband and I agree with that. So I could see that if one's values and it can even come down to like food choices and, Oh, you can let the kids stay up till 10, but I'd rather the child go to bed to, at eight. You know, a lot of those, Values do, I think, need to be worked out or aligned, or I could see turbulence down the road. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. I think you're hitting the nail on the head, and I
2: think um, you know that, that there is also right the the emotional load of parenting um, and the psychological load of that, right? So even like the logistics of that, if if it is important, right, to not use jarred baby food, right, then like that means like. Making like pouches, or like you know, exploring options, feeding options, right? Like doing like the the research and the legwork around you know what what you do want to move forward in. Um, and sometimes you know, sometimes there is that difference of, of expectations and. Um then you know one partner just feels like it should be you know it just should happen um and the other partner partner really feels the burden and maybe develops some um some resentment around uh around not sharing that responsibility or right maybe one partner you know really is invested in and and cares passionately about those kinds of questions, and the other partner is very cool to take a back seat in that way um, and, and to support, right. But then that partner who, you know, is maybe a little bit more type A, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, wanting to feel in control of situations also is feeling overwhelmed, um, by everything that they have chosen to take control over. Um, and so, Mindfulness, awareness, right, is so key for for this, um, and to be able to acknowledge what is in the room for both people. And I think that you know, again, to your point, right, like there, there's there's only so much time, um, and as as new parents, as emerging parents, um, the there are big decisions that are being made that uh, are typically very emotionally charged for, for everyone involved. Um, and so it is an opportunity for conflict. So I mentioned the idea of like coping ahead of time and this is what I mean, right? Like what kinds of conversations can you have in advance of being parents um, that can that can set you up for success so that you feel aligned, that you have an awareness of you know what the expectations and the values of your partner are, um, you know, what will go into that. And look, no one is ever going to be able to be in full control or have all of the answers or to have anticipated every potential outcome of a parenting journey. So also, you know, how do we want to approach the unknown? Do we want to prioritize when we come across a, a challenge that neither of us anticipated, or you know, have a previous experience to to go off of? Um, you know, what what do we want um, our response to be? What do we what do we want um, our procedure to be there? Um, and and maybe that means right, like. Setting forward a proper hour to you know to pause and that may feel like a lot, right? Um, it may not be possible in the moment, um, but also, right? It may be one of those times where there are a lot of little fires going on and uh, and you're not able to see them because you're focused on the one that's
1: directly in front of you. I like the idea of planning ahead. <laughs> That, that feels very settling to me. I'm sure we can diagnose that for forever. right, that's my type A. I don't know why type A always gets, I feel like there's always like a little, and I am very type A, but I often feel that I almost have to apologize or people like, oh, the type A's. I'm gonna stand proud as a type A who likes to plan ahead of time. So with that, how can you, (laughs) how can someone On an individual basis, so we talked about as couples, on an individual basis, prepare for the huge shift into parenthood ahead of time. Totally,
2: yeah, and actually, this is connected to the couple stuff too, right? Because sometimes um, I will have a prospective client reach out uh, to inquire for services, and uh, they will really want couples counseling. Um, and I will ask them, you know, well, what, what's your partner's stance on this? Um, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm working on convincing them. Um, and there really is a limit to what we have control over uh, when we introduce the needs um, and the uh, willingness. Of others um, and so sometimes it is about um, you know what what do I have control over um, and and how can I accept that which I do not have control over so that in and of itself is one thing um, to be mindful of um, and to develop some awareness of if that's present uh, within a relational space um, but also individually right like developing your foundation you know what is the thing that pulls you back to you you know what are the you know you know, things in life, the people in life, the experience in life that bring you joy. Um, I cannot tell you how many individuals and couples I have worked with since the pandemic started, whose like main connection point, um, for joy was travel and adventure. And maybe it's, you know, New Yorkers and kind of going to your type A thing, right? Like, there's definitely more type A people who have found their way to the light of New York city. Right. So like that idea of like the neurotic New Yorker is definitely a thing. So you're definitely not alone there. Um, And recognizing within that, right? Like here we are in this pandemic, travel's not an option. You've just become a parent. That was a big way that you connected with your sense of self, right? Like we've got to get creative. Um, and and what are the elements of uh, of that activity that are really filling for you? Um, is it meeting new people? Is it learning new things? Is it uh, the sense of um, anxiety or anticipation, right? The excitement um, of that. And are those things that you get other the places, right? Uh, maybe this is the time that you're going to, uh, going, going to Sesame place, right. And riding a roller coaster. So you get that <laughs> sense of, of excitement and adrenaline rush. Um, maybe it is, you know, doing a, a virtual, uh, you know, paint night or something, uh, where you're able to interact with new people. Um, uh, but you get the idea, right? Like, yeah. like what's the essence of the thing? What's the root of, uh, of why this works for me and how can I connect to that now?
1: How do you connect a sesame place in the roller coaster? I'm just curious. <laughs> Is that your happy oh, place? Oh, I was
2: going. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm thinking about thinking about our life and things that might be applicable. And uh and you know, I just laugh
1: because I could see myself being like, okay, we're going to the zoo or we're doing this, and then actually finding great joy out of it. Um, <laughs>
2: Exactly. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, because I think as, as you are becoming parents, it, it is difficult to make the time for you and it is difficult to make the time for your relationship. And so if there are any activities that can kind of kill two birds with one stone, now's the time, now's the time. Uh, and so if the kid is getting Elmo and you are getting one ride on that roller coaster by yourself while your partner is there, like, you know, managing yes. the three kids with ice cream, you know, like, Hey, we're
1: doing it. (laughs) I 100% agree. And I like it. I like it because I can see that. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So if a new parent is feeling overwhelmed and fearful, angry, or sad by the transition into pregnancy and parenthood, because as I was preparing for this, I was thinking that We have to also dip a little bit into pregnancy because I think a lot of times there's this expectation from, I don't know if it's social media or TV or just society, that pregnancy is going to be glorious, but not for everyone. And we know that PMADs can actually start in pregnancy. So if someone is having a lot of those challenges through pregnancy and parenthood, what are some coping skills they can use to help them self-regulate from some of these big emotions?
2: Yeah. Great question. Um, so actually, uh, the majority of folks who do develop a PMAD in postpartum um, have have uh, experienced symptoms in pregnancy. Um, and another kind of risk factor for developing a PMAD um, is uh, a previous struggle uh, with mood symptoms or otherwise. Uh, so that's just you know some good stuff to be on the lookout for. And if that is you, um, then spending a little bit more time, you know, focusing on coping mechanisms uh, and some of these things we're talking about today, maybe connecting with a therapist, um, and maybe also a prescriber. Um, just having like a face-to-face visit, so that if it is something that you need down the line, uh, it's something that's available to you. Um, if that feels too scary, uh, I am always a huge supporter of doulas. I think of them as the you know social workers for birth, mm-hmm. um, and one of the many hats uh, that they wear. Is as a resource, um, as as a broker of services, um, and connecting you to their community and their network, um, and that can be that can be you know such such a such a lion's share of resources and wealth, um, because you don't know, right. What, what your experience is going to be. There is uncertainty inherent in that process. Um, and so being able to tap into that, um, is, is really important. Um, as far as individually, you know, what can you do to cope with mood symptoms? Uh, you know, I think a lot about coping skills and what are these, right. Um, so they are, you know, things that help you to feel calm and relaxed, um, things that are enjoyable for you, that bring you pleasure. Um, it's not always about adding things. Um, sometimes it's about removing things. So it could be, you know, what are the things that are on my to-do list that have been weighing me and have been sitting there because they are not timely enough or they're not important enough. But seeing them on that list for six months uh, brings its own stress. Um, and maybe doing those things, right. That can be coping. Um, and then also distracting, right. Things that, uh, can kind of get you out of your brain, um, and maybe connecting through reading or a TV show or, you know, scrolling through social media and the asterisks here, right. Um, as with all things, uh, moderation, right. And, and making sure that it's, uh, aligned and it's connected. I saw this great, um, this great article about like why am i why am i wake scrolling when i'm exhausted and everyone else is asleep in my house um and and this connecting very much to that idea of identity because this is the only time yes. that i get for me right um and and i i think if we were to ask i do this too right if 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 i am to ask myself um why am i doing this right uh, is this how i want to connect with myself Um, no, is my answer. And it's the answer of a lot of folks that I ask, you know, and I think that that's something to be mindful of, you know, and sometimes it's, yes, I do. I just want to distract myself. I do not have any energy. I'm totally tapped out and like just seeing the postings of a few of my friends is making me feel connected enough in five minutes or less. Um, and if that is it, great. But if it's like 20 minutes and it's mindless scrolling and you don't feel any more connected to yourself after completing that than you did before, then maybe tomorrow you might want to try something different.
1: Do you think that, because I can totally relate to everything that you're saying, that it's many times my I finally get my son to bed by like, 845 or 9. And then I'm usually fast asleep by 10-ish because I wake up super early. But even on the days where I'm like falling asleep at nine, I kinda push myself to stay awake. So I'm like, this is the only time for myself. And usually I'm reading or watching a show, but sometimes I am scrolling. And I find that I'm scrolling because I want to appreciate that I'm not having to do anything for anyone else. But sometimes I think I'm scrolling just it's almost like um An anxious tick of like, oh, I just got to do something. I got to do something. Do you find that with people too? Hmm. I am,
2: I think the answer is yes, but I could use a little bit more. It's more just like, I
1: don't want to go to sleep because it's my only time and it's like almost a self-distraction. Like, I don't know what else to do with myself right now. And I don't want to go to sleep because once I go to sleep, then I wake up and I have to start everything else again. But I don't have the energy to really put into keep reading something that takes more brain power. So it yeah. could just be a distraction because once I go to sleep, then I start my day and there's the parent responsibilities. And I'm not trying to turn this totally. into a therapy session. It's more just when you said that, I'm like, oh, I totally relate to that.
2: Well, no, and I think a lot of people do, um, and and I am, you know, as I'm thinking of how to respond to it, I, I am right, kind of drawing upon my own experiences with the same thing, um, and I think one thing that that has been really interesting to me um, in the work that I do is uh, just having an appreciation for. Um, executive functioning um, and for you know time management skills um, and and how how challenging it is for folks who are you know are, don't feel as confident or as strong in these areas to balance and to navigate all of the different pulls on time in in that period of of early parenting and beyond. Um, and I think that, you know, that's this is a big part of that, right? And this is that negotiation. And and negotiation is such a key part of um, of being successful in relationships, um, but also in, in balancing your own responsibilities and and the things that you want and you need to be in your life, um, and being, being able to connect them back to that idea of values. Um, so yes, right. I do need some time for me, right. To go back to your example. Um, I could scroll right now, even though it's 9 PM and I'm super exhausted. Um, but um I don't know that it will feel super fulfilling. Um it didn't last night. Um so maybe I will let myself go to sleep at 9 p.m. because that's what my body is telling me that I need. And I will wake up early, I'll set an alarm, and I will wake up and I will do a sunrise yoga um for myself, or I will have a cup of coffee before the rest of the house wakes up. Um, you know, being able to really balance your own needs and part Part of that means being able to articulate um, and to communicate your needs. And honestly, I think this is a really big, uh, big point to highlight and emphasize uh, within all of what we're talking about today, right, is being able to know yourself, right? Having that sense of identity in the first place to be able to, um, to advocate for yourself, to be able to, um, you know, feel rooted and grounded in your sense of self and to be able to, um, communicate what you need. And, and partly that's just communicating what you need with yourself. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, and then I want to highlight something you also said is knowing who you are from the beginning. So if you're going to feel like you've lost a sense of identity, you need to put some time into spending time with yourself and knowing what your identity is and knowing what works for you, what doesn't work. And that also takes a lot of courage to sit with yourself and learn about yourself. So I'm glad that you highlighted that.
2: Can I add one note to that? Of course. Um, so a friend of mine was recently reflecting on another friend's, uh, uh, Marriage, uh, which is, you know, happened in, in the period of the pandemic and, uh, you know, kind of the should we, shouldn't we, should we just do a courthouse versus, you know, should we, you know, wait and, and have a, you know, have a wedding celebration like, like I had imagined. Um, and her point was, you know, the, the wedding planning process is not just, um, about the wedding. Um, it's also setting a foundation for how you're going to navigate um, your relationships, um, moving forward and how, you know, you're going to navigate, uh, and negotiate within your, within your partnership. Um, and I think that the process of becoming parents is a wonderful foil and another great opportunity like that, um, where pregnancy, you know, pregnancy is nine, you know, 40 weeks long, nine months long, um, for for a lot of reasons but you know one of them can be uh to to develop that right and and to connect and to renegotiate uh, your needs or your relationships uh and so i would encourage folks who are planning to be pregnant uh and kind of hoping or waiting or checking each month um or folks who are are pregnant uh, and are you know in that preparation phase uh to focus a little bit on identity um and to focus a little bit on uh on doing the work within relationships whether that is you know relationships of extended family you know within your partnership or with your own sense of self um because it is it can be a really rich time and a really meaningful time to connect and to ritualize um that that inward growth journey
1: mm, 100% okay we're going to take a quick break and we come back now you can choose either as a parent of three, or as a therapist, how you want to answer this question? Which lens you choose to use? What is one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer at new, expectant parents? So take a beat, think about that. We'll be right back.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky.
1: Okay, we're back. So I'm curious, what kind of move to the top of your head? What is one piece or tip of advice you'd like to offer new and expected parents?
2: Mm, I just need to sit with that for a moment. I don't think that there is any right answer to that question, uh, even, you know, from my own opinion personally or professionally. Um, and I think that exactly what I'm doing in this moment is what I, uh, would at every stage and every experience that I've had and at every clinical opportunity for intervention that I have paused in, um, that, that I think would have been appropriate, um and that is uh to to check in to to be mindful of your intuition, to pay attention to your gut, uh, you know, the skills that uh, that folks are learning in prenatal yoga with you, um, you know, to really, you know, center yourself in a moment, whether that is, you know, my newborn is screaming, um, a bloody murder, and everything is, everything has been taken care of, and I don't know what is wrong, and that is connecting with all of these experiences of, you know, feeling insecure or inadequate or, you know, uncertain, right? And I'm now charged in this way, you know, take a deep breath, right? Center yourself, take a moment to, to check in and, and to be mindful of, of what is in this moment.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. As you are saying that, I'm like, I am just going to check in and breathe and center. So I like that piece of advice. All right. Where can people find your work? Yes,
2: well, uh, we, pre-pandemic, we had offices in Astoria and Flatiron. Um, We are hoping to be able to reopen those for in-person services, um, in 2022. Uh, right now everything is virtual, um, but we do offer a wealth of resources, uh, for folks who are in this emerging parenthood and emerging adulthood, right? All of this identity stuff, um, a wealth of resources, uh, group supports, uh, skills groups, um, as well as individual and and family counseling. Um, And we've been growing with the families that we have served over the past 10 years uh, and growing the services to adapt and to hold that space um, so that folks can connect with our family of care um, as they are supporting and growing their families. Um, And so we are New York City based. We do have clinicians who are licensed in other states if that is something that folks are, um, are needing. Um, and one thing that I love to offer to this community, um, of, of emerging parents is, is support in brokering services. So, um, if you know, you're feeling like that doesn't sound quite right, but I do connect with this need and I do have this need, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out, um, because we are always willing to help connect folks to care. Um, so we are, you know, on Facebook, we are on Instagram, the root therapy, NYC, um, and we are here to support that journey.
1: Oh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for taking this journey with me and diving deep. I really appreciate it.
2: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for
1: having me. You're welcome. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.